Warning. What you are about to hear will probably offend you and worry you if you care at all about the mental welfare of your fellow human beings. But rest assured, the three imbeciles in this discussion are merely exaggerating their insane debauchery for laughs and stress relief. Yeah, that's it. Anyway, please remember, some ideas are stupid, but that doesn't mean anyone needs to be punished. Let's investigate that. Did that trigger you? Yeah, but not in any way that makes any logical fucking sense whatsoever. You can simply <laughs> a terrible idiot, and I feel like I made a mistake. You know, actually, I do have a funny, a, a funny thing about sex moves. I'll, but it's not like, and it's not like you can just do a sex move whenever you want. Welcome everybody back to Mansploring. Uh, I'm here with Chuck, who, to the best of my knowledge, is not a cannibal, and Dan. Thanks for having me. A cannibal or a corpse, or but I do have I do have an exciting new opportunity that listener can get into the on the ground floor uh, if they so choose, which is that I'm starting up um, a gambling ring to bet on the Special Olympics. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> yes, it turns out uh, people who participate in the Special Olympics are pretty easy to bribe. <laughs> Which event? Hmm? Oh, every event. All of the events. Yes. Wait. Especially when, the, the, like when you when they're running, and then you can like bribe them to not run as fast or as hard, and nobody can tell. Yeah, it's not like you can tell that they're throwing it. Right. That's the Dan, idea. You look, you look confused by that, Dan. No, not <laughs> not. Conf- I bribe. I bribed him to look not confused. confused. <laughs> concerned no it's just it i'm just thinking about serendipity because i watched a documentary today about uh telemarketers so it was this scam company <laughs> that was raising money quote unquote on behalf of the police benevolence association and they were giving them 10 percent and pocketing 90 percent of it and the special betting on the Special Olympics made you think yeah, of that? Yeah, because it's you kind of target a an organization that people have t- sympathy for and just do something very heinous. And people Gotcha, okay. Yeah, and then people okay. won't expect it. Wait, why is betting on the Special Olympics heinous? Because it's not just betting, it's fixing. You were talking about yes. That's true. That's true, yeah. Yeah. Fixing yes, the Special but... Olympics does kind of <laughs> but who's harmed? The integrity of the sport. Wait, the Special Olympics has competitive yeah. integrity? I don't think so. I have it on good authority <laughs> that at a recent athletic event, a coach uh, put in players who were not nearly as skilled uh, because they wanted everybody to have a chance. And tell me about this competitive integrity. That's again. that's a type of are you competitive integrity? Was this a was this a Special Olympics that you were participating in? No. Somebody I know. Are you sure? (laughs) Yes, I think I would remember that. (laughs) I do have a trash memory, but it works that far. I... See, I could bribe the coach to play the terrible players more, and everybody would just think it was heartwarming. Who's harmed? I I mean, who's harmed by by fixing any sports? I mean, yeah, I was like, not really anybody. I was going to say all of the the people who were gambling in good faith on the outcome of the Special Olympics. 
<laughs> so it's, it's a victimless crime. <laughs> it's those good faith gamblers we want to look out for. <laughs> those those innocent people. <laughs> the fans. Yeah, the see, see, if sports that have fans where people have a rooting interest and, in like, you know, care about their team and stuff, sure. But I don't think that applies to the Special Olympics. You don't think that the people in the Special Olympics have fans? They do, but they don't care about victories. They just care about having fun and participation. So therefore, I... it's, you can fix the Special Olympics with absolutely no repercussions and no harm done to anybody. I have absolutely no evidence to support what I'm about to say, but it feels very accurate. Hmm. And that's that people take the Special Olympics very seriously. And those people need to be harmed. What? <laughs> no, I mean, there are disabled people who go into the Special Olympics and, like, train all of their lives to be in the Special Olympics. And you're yes. saying they actively need to be harmed. Hang on. Well, Wait, are you, are you talking about the Special Olympics or the Paralympics? Talking about the Special Olympics, oh, not the Paralympics. Oh, okay, okay. Shame on you for confusing yeah, the two. I think no. you just insulted very a large ableist. number. Yeah. Oh. That's brutal. That's not a good look. What's the... That is not a good look. <laughs> <laughs> but even the special, and that's, that's why I prefaced it by saying I have no evidence. Because yeah. I'm sure that there are people who take the Special Olympics very serious. And those people need to, if for whatever harm might come from fixing the Special Olympics, those people deserve it. That's that's fair. I think that's People fair. can be competitive about anything. Do you, do you guys remember... Uh, when your dad had to push me out of the way so that I wouldn't defeat my little sister at musical chairs. <laughs> no. <laughs> hmm. Sounds like something you would do. Yeah, I mean, and it it was something that needed doing. I did not need to defeat my little sister at musical chairs. <laughs> uh, was this was like, was this like two two or three years ago? Like when when did this happen? <laughs> uh... Honestly, I think I was like 16 or 17. I was old enough to know better. Really? Yeah, I was old enough to oh, know better. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's but, you know, that's incredible. Yeah, I had tunnel vision. Yeah. Yeah, you, you were apparently kind of a dink. Everybody at 16 or 17 is a dink. It's a, sort of a douche canal. No, I had, I had victory in my sights. I wasn't going to let <laughs> a small child. <laughs> <laughs> Easiest victory ever. Yeah. Hey, is a douche canoe a canoe that functions as a douche or a canoe that is riding on the moisture produced by a douche? I think... Uh, neither. It is a canoe that carries douche. Oh. I would have gone well, not for too... the second one. Okay. A canoe that carries douche. Yes. The solemn duty of transporting yes. douche by canoe. It is just full. Full of douche. I mean... All different types. Fresh. Yes. In the package, out of the package, used all of it. Just supplying your everyday douche needs. Yes. So I rewatched Dune this week, the more recent one. The the more recent. I've never. I have not seen it yet. Oh, it's really good. It's on Netflix. Yeah, it was. I was scrolling through Netflix trying to find something to watch just yesterday, and uh, it kind of came to me that I could watch Dune. But I could also not yeah, watch Dune. It's it's like which is the choice I took. It's like three hours long. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's it's really grown on me. Like obviously, I have the nostalgia for the the Lynch version, which and you know, and I do I do love it, and I'm 
always going to be a fan of it. But the new one is just so elegant. But it also made me think about myself. And I realized what station I would be happiest with in society. Okay. I just need to be the all-powerful emperor of an interstellar empire. And just to be able to, like, rule by fiat, I think that's... I would be very successful in that role, I think. At, at least at least you have modest aspirations. Knock, knock. Who's there? N- no. Ah. Ah, uh, who? Where Bless you. London. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> we got to do that over so that there's not interfering audio. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't care about that. <laughs> <laughs> Which one was better? Uh, uh, bless you or werewolves of London? Uh, I wasn't expecting the werewolves. The, the <laughs> bless you, I thought, was, was pretty good. But it was, it was the joke that I thought was going to happen. Bless you is played out. Werewolves of London is fresh. I'd I'd like somebody to explain to me how that song has has existed for 50 years, and I'm only just Hmm. hearing that joke. I think that says more about you than it does about song. Okay. I... No, I'm sure that somebody... Somebody else must have found the joke, and it sounds like I'm piling on, but I'm not. They probably found and discarded the joke. (laughs) <laughs> similar similarly dismissed it <laughs> all right they found it and said this is not something i should say i do i have a modicum of self-respect so i will not say this <laughs> yeah i can't really i no i do like it i think that every joke should be uh like picked up and looked at like an interesting rock Hmm. Or perhaps a shell, an interesting rock, or a shell that one finds upon the beach. Yep. I agree, and it, and then it needs to be shared. Like you don't find an interesting shell on the beach, and like if there's somebody with you, you just don't show them. Uh, sometimes. Oh, actually, hold on. I think that some jokes are maybe the opposite because if I find an interesting rock and I don't like the person that I'm with, I will not share that rock with them. <laughs> That you are beachcombing with somebody you hate. Mm-hmm. It does sound like something you would do. Fling it into the ocean so they will never find it. Yeah. Beachcombing with your nemesis. <laughs> You're skipping rocks and ow! Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> that one got away from me. Uh, how does one wind up beachcombing with one's nemesis? Like they weren't invited. It wasn't like, hey, let's go beachcombing. Uh, it's got to be some sort of social event that you're both at like somebody's having a beach wedding oh so you can be nemesis is nemesis nemesis mm-hmm. but you're both severe introverts and just trying to get away from the crowd and you both go down to the beach and you're like oh shit yeah this this douche canoe all right <laughs> yeah you're you're at nemesis but you have a mutual a mutual acquaintance or or you are both just kind of taking a me day and going down and beachcombing, and you both just happened to pick the same day on the same beach. I think if I found a beautiful, really unusual shell, or if I found a beautiful, really clever joke in my head, and my nemesis was the only other person there, I would still share it. Well, you absolutely, you always shared the joke with a nemesis. 
And I know this to be true. Do you know mm. why? Because my ex-wife never laughed at anything I ever said, and I still try telling her all the jokes. <laughs> was this was this just spite at that? Like, when did like, it? Even at even at our divorce mediation, I was like telling jokes, still, still sharing the jokes because that's what, no, that's, that's that's I made that up. But yes, I wouldn't. <laughs> I was all in. I thought I I believed you. I was like, right in front. absolutely yeah. saw it. That that mm-hmm. does actually sound like something you would do. Yeah, if I had found any jokes in that moment, I think I would have. It's, it just didn't transpire. They didn't pop into my head. I see you probably distracted. Yeah, probably had something else going. So. Yeah, it's preoccupied. Anyway, it just occurs to me that this podcast is two thirds divorced. Yeah, uh, slacker Dan. <laughs> Get your shit together. <laughs> I know. If yeah, if if wife keeps on listening, I it might be three thirds to part. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she has uh, she listened? Yeah, she said that she has fallen behind, which will it would be very funny if this actually made it onto the, the episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, I mean, yeah, we all understand what that means. Is that uh, maybe she'll catch up, maybe she won't. I don't know. If she doesn't, then she's not really supporting your passions, and you know, maybe that's it. That's the final nail in the coffin. Uh, you're kind of yeah. That's kind of like you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. Because if she does keep listening, she's going to hear this episode, and then that'll be it. That'll be the nail in the coffin. I just have to. Mm. I just have to remember which topics are off limit. Wife has told me not to talk about certain things, which means I should probably should not bring up those things. I'm guessing or, that. Gambling on the Special Olympics was not on the list. No. Okay. She's actually in- so she's cool. So she's cool with that. Yeah, that that one has the wife's stamp of stamp of approval. I'm I'm assuming it's things pertaining to. Um, her. I believe the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So t- tell me about her family. <laughs> What's her family like? <laughs> I think listener is very curious about what wife's family. <laughs> yes. And what other farm animals do you like? <laughs> <laughs> That's That was a hack joke. That was old. That was a shell that was just kind of normal and chipped. And I showed it to you like, anyway. We're supposed to be looking for interesting ones. Yeah. I don't have the highest standards. Let's be honest. No. So what, what brought you to the Special Olympics? rigging yes was that just a random thought that popped into your head or was there a progression that led you to that uh dare not say what no go for so it is it we'll, we'll just, call it a random thought that popped into my head <laughs> definitely I, not something that you've done i i heard tale of a controversy um where somebody was upset about the way a, a special olympics event went um, for reasons that I found to be kind of dumb and taking it too seriously. And then my head went to like, yeah, this was like the Black Sox scandal all over again. Like for those not historically informed, that was the Chicago White Sox won the World Series, no, lost the World Series in 1917. It was later revealed that they had been paid by the mafia, I think, to uh, intentionally lose. The, the most fascinating thing about this is that you felt that we or any of our audience needed to know that eh, none of this is necessary yeah, that's kind of the point of the podcast yeah it's <laughs> just all enough. extraneous <laughs> fluff and i'm just 
flinging yeah. extraneous fluff everywhere. Do you think we could start our own Special Olympics? I think they have the copyright kind of like locked down. Yeah. What's the synonym for special that we could get away with? Like the uh, the unique Olympics? Or the, the unique uh, Olympics, yeah. Yeah. Definitely uh, the uh, definitely not rigged Special Olympics. What about the, uh, I wonder if anybody's tried this one. What about the uh, retard Olympics? Then <laughs> it's just a bunch of fire extinguishers. Bat, that's, bat, that's, that, that's where you're going with that. Fire blankets, fire extinguishers. Yes, yes exactly. I, oh my God, did you, I didn't even think I was using the slur. Jesus, no, I would never. No, I'm talking about the slowing things down Olympics. Anyway, I didn't hear you coming up with a topic. Uh, oh, the Simpleton Olympics. The Simpleton Olympics. There we go. <laughs> Wait, I think I think Monty Python did this already. The upper class twit of the year. Oh yeah. Tested. Yep. Yeah. What if we just uh, short is like instead of special, we just said the spech. special. Special yeah, limb, special Olympics. Or spec. <laughs> I think we just put it right out there and say the fixed Olympics. <laughs> I I think that we've got something if we say the definitely not fixed special event. <laughs> because then it's it's clear that it's not the same one as the original. No, let's call it the fixed Olympics and just tell everybody that means that we repaired it. We made it better. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't have to tell them that it's better for the gamblers. It's just better. Yeah, right. the fully fixed Olympics. Look, if you've got a gambling problem, why would you want your money to go toward casinos why would you would you want your money to go to a good cause such as special people having special experiences and if you think about it the fact that the games are fixed means that it's a sure thing 50 percent of the time i don't i don't follow your math you either you either bet like you know that it's fixed so that you know you know the outcome is predetermined so 50 percent of the time you guess right those are amazing odds, I feel like. Can you explain right. uh, fantasy football to me? What do you mean? Like, literally, you don't know how it works? I, get, I, or... I have a vague sense of how it works, but uh, do, people, I can't, do people gamble on it? I could, but I, I could explain it, but I would rather explain fantasy Special Olympics. So what happens is you draft a Special Olympics participant on your imaginary team, and then they compile statistics... And then the better your statistics are compared to other people participating, then the more scratch you get. So it's gambling for nerds who don't think they're nerds. It's oh yeah, it's, it's pretty, Dungeons it's pretty and Dragons kind of for jocks. <laughs> I, don't, I don't see any Dungeons and Dragons. You, aspect, you really. make a fantasy team by like collecting a bunch of different uh, players. And then you use their actual real world statistics to do like a simulated game. So your team right. is kind of like your character, and the players are kind of like your ability scores. Yeah, but there's no creativity or like acting involved whatsoever. It's it's the the numbers part of Dungeons and Dragons. Okay, it's just the that's the numbers yeah. part, not the actual play. I mean, yeah. you can probably role play in fantasy football if you want. If you're not a coward, uh, I don't know. I think some of the intrigue is like watching these things unfold, you know, and uh, the excitement of seeing what the certain player is going to do that you put on your team. Mm -hmm. uh, 
Do you get like bonuses for like traumatic brain injuries? Uh, that would be better, but no. Or like career ending broken legs. Like, is that something you can, that, like that you, would, you get, no. you get an extra touchdown if your guy has to go to the hospital with a severe concussion. You know, no. I'm, I think it's it's generally bad when bad stuff happens to your players. Yeah, I think it, I'm I'm kind of disappointed that you're joking about this. It's pretty sad, you know, when when people get hurt. I don't find that sad at all. It's the people's livelihoods we're talking about here. They've yes. worked their whole lives to achieve this dream, and then to get their yeah. head knocked off. Uh, you know, imagine after. imagine working your whole life at something that you know is likely to cause you permanent brain damage Mm. and then doing it anyway because you're going to make millions of dollars yeah so it's the ultimate form of sellout some of you're literally selling your body and your health for the amusement of the masses that's just in fairness a great many professional football players only make hundreds of thousands of dollars Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Even more sad. How much would it take you to uh, get what is it? In chronic encephalopathy? Is that what it's called? So the average career of a player in the NFL lasts three years. So whatever money they can make, and they they are good for absolutely nothing else after that. Mm-hmm. So they've got to make enough money in three years to live on for the rest of their lives, unless they want to work at Shop and Save or something. You have to. You have to admit. After that, they're still good for domestic violence. That's yes, the thing that they still do. They can't get they're, paid they're for really the domestic, good at it afterwards. <laughs> but they, they can't get paid for the domestic violence unless the mafia is paying them to do it in a certain way to, for the gamblers. And I think I think that uh, at a certain point, especially after the career, the domestic violence is a symptom. <laughs> I thought you were gonna. Minute. I thought you were gonna say it's a hobby. No. <laughs> oh man. Yes. Yes. It's often, real. Yeah. Reflective of the CTE. And also, it's not fair for me to say they're not good for anything else. Many of them have other skills. Mm-hmm. Uh, just wanted to clear that up. I don't want to be unfair to the jocks. Yeah. This is this is the this is where we become uh, sensitive. We're fine making fun of the Special Olympics. We're fine. Well, I, talk about I was, rigging the Special Olympics, but when we start talking about the 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 feelings of the professional athletes, that, that's these what professional these professional athletes are also uh, vast majority members of minority groups, and there was also like uh, I saw a profile in a game I was watching the other night about a player uh, whose parents were from Nigeria, and you know grew up with basically nothing, but wound up going to Yale. And now plays professional football and does so in a pretty impressive manner. And I found that heartwarming. Sure. Could he have not played baseball? Could he could he have chosen baseball instead of football? Uh, I don't know. Or perhaps cricket. Like some people are good at whacking people and some people are good at hitting balls. I just, you know, to choose football seems... Better than, choosing, better than Some, choosing hockey? Yes, indeed. Sometimes sometimes football chooses you. Hey, how do you guys weigh in on the heart wants what it wants, or you can't help you who you fall in love with, specifically on the topic of, like, 
I'm not going to go as far as pedophilia, but on like relationships with a significant age difference. What? Okay, wait, hold on. Let's let's pick a different one, uh, a different uh, example. Did you hear about Moby? Was it wasn't Moby, right? And Natalie Portman. It's weird that this I... has happened to her twice, but Natalie Portman has had two men decide that they were going to marry Natalie Portman and that this was a done deal, and they left their partners and approached Natalie Portman and they're like, hey, we're getting married, right? And she's like, I have no idea who you are. It's happened to her twice. And, and you're saying Moby was one of those people? I'm pretty sure that Moby was one of those people. That's amazing. That sounds not that credible, but it fits in. But, yeah, so we can we can go with that instead of a problematic one. We can just go with one that is funny. Wait, aren't they both funny? TheGuardian.com headline, Natalie Portman criticizes, quote, creepy Moby over, quote, disturbing account of friendship. So the heart musician, wants what it wants. Musician says in the in memoir that the pair yeah. dated, but Portman disputes the account, saying, my recollection is a much older man being creepy with. So I, I believe that sometimes the heart wants what it wants, and sometimes that you're you're doomed to have I an unrequited attraction in the slightest nope nope not nope. even a little tiny nope. bit or that, it's... that the heart that the heart wants what it wants and you can't like can't control what the heart's gonna do because it's not the heart that's doing that it's the dick well not even just the dick but like the mind like it's pathology it's a pathology i don't sure. think you so your dick's heart so, <laughs> so I'm Dick. So I, I've just read one of uh, Craig Ferguson's memoir books, um, and he talks about his new wife. This book's like eight years old or something, but at the time, his new wife, uh, who's twenty years younger than him, and he spends paragraphs in this okay. book defending that and saying that we're consenting adults and there's nothing wrong with it, and fuck all you for your judgment if you don't like it. And I'm like. Well, you met her when she was 23 and you were like in your mid forties and okay, you could, she's beautiful and you can be impressed by her, but I can't relate to the, this is a peer, you know, somebody to partner with like life partner thing. Like, how do you, how do you reconcile? Like this person has way less experience and therefore like is deeply underpowered in the dynamic. And yeah. Uh, because being experienced is not the only measure of how powerful somebody can be, how much power they can wield in a relationship. Uh, and it is not the only, a peer relationship is not the only metric that defines what a relationship is. So in the situation of like a large age difference between partners, we could, we'd be oversimplifying it by just labeling or judging the relationship just on that on that dynamic we could be looking at other areas in which the power differentials are more even or in the reverse direction that may not be so obvious oh yeah for example look at uh anna nicole i, mean, Smith. I don't mind enunciate that and and i don't mind looking nicole at her but the uh, where she married a man who was much much older than her and you know, so we can't just go by the in that in that case, uh, any suspected 
power differential was going in the opposite direction. There was a concern that she was abusing him and taking advantage yeah. of him because he was older. Yeah. So no, I'm just reinforcing that you can't just go strictly by age. There's I, lots of different factors. I think that people want different things out of relationships and people at different stages in their life want different things out of relationships and to try to paint all relationships with the brush that says somebody who is 40 wants the same thing out of relationship as anybody else who is 40. Uh, and that can't be the same thing that somebody who's 22 wants. I, I think that's too simplistic. Disingenuous. I, I am trying to imagine what it would be like dating a 22 year old. See, my perspective on this is that just somewhat seems colored exhausting by the to fact me. that I, you know, dated and then married somebody who, you know, was somewhat like for the time period of my life I was in at the time, was significantly older like i was 23 and she was 30 when we started dating and i think at that phase of life that's a significant experience yeah and also like it's kind of fed into some uh unhealthy thinking for me like i had uh, you know, I, I turned over a lot of authority to this person in my head thinking she was older and wiser and smarter and that was not exactly a function of the age difference like the age difference didn't cause that but it was kind of a symptom of that, if that makes sense, of like my low confidence at the time and low self-esteem at the time. And then probably unintentionally, she's like taking advantage of that because it was more comfortable for her to be with somebody who was less confident and more deferential. But I think that you can't assume that everybody who is 22 is going to be less confident and deferential to somebody who is older Fair. than them. Yeah, I have a friend who's in a relationship with a lot of age difference, and that does seem to be more the case like you're describing. Uh, she's not deferential. She's, if anything, the rebellious teenager in that relationship, and he's the dad. So much better. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just, I think that the, I think that relationships are far too complex to be able to create arbitrary rules based on generalizations. Once you get past like the whole, are, do the, does this person have agency? Does this person have informed the ability to give informed consent? Then if those, if the answers to both of those are yes, then who the fuck cares? I'm going to disagree with you. I think that simplifying things mm. with arbitrary rules is the best way to understand you know, them. If you, Perhaps. If we get an art, a generalized but, rule, you can keep yourself out of trouble if you don't have really much capacity for deep thinking. True. Mm -hmm. <laughs> time. Or time. That's <laughs> true. And I, I will admit, I have a little bit of a... a horse in this race too because my wife is sorry change that you ten, don't want to use the name 10 years younger you don't want to use the name do you oh yeah i don't okay care. <laughs> I'll, I'll edit right. it out uh all right let's, specifically let's told me not to use her name take two <laughs> i have to admit that i have a little bit of a horse in this okay. race uh because one of my partners is 10 11 years younger than I think me. You just called your partner a horse. Yes. Well, we're going through a rough patch. So. <laughs> <laughs>
she she feels really immature yeah. to me right now so i don't know right. what to say but we interesting side note we also had a triad relationship with somebody who was like 20 like three four years ago sometime i'm gonna need to pick your brain about how you're pulling all this shit off <laughs> with you with your rainbow dice tattoos maybe that's what it is <laughs> that's yeah. the key that's the uh-huh. key right there uh speaking of i've got more i've got more cushion for the pushing and i like nerdy shit that's that's the those that's are the keys the key. all right speaking of uh uh evening out power dynamics uh, I think it's time for us to pay our privilege tax. A, I've determined that uh, me, white men in the media, and you know we're two thirds white men here, so we're going to have to go with that category. Uh, we should pay a privilege <laughs> tax for the. <laughs> You're just catching up to what I did. There. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we got to pay a privilege tax. Uh, we've got to devote a portion of our. Uh, time, our resource, our bandwidth, our airtime to uh, supporting those who are uh, underprivileged and deserve to have more attention and voice. Um, no, no, we but our marginal. We already did that. Like we talked about the Special Olympics right at the top of the episode. That we have. No, I'm talking about like, that uh, base. promoting. I'm talking about we we have a responsibility to promote podcasts by minorities and women okay so we need to periodically pay a privilege tax by talking about encouraging listener to shut us off and go listen to podcasts by minorities and women i think it's a good advice to shut us off and just listen to anything else i i will say that i'm intrigued by what you're saying but i am also waiting for the other shoe to drop because i've been in this position before (laughs) well let me listen i i so this is my I got something to say segment for for this week uh, because I think it's uh, past time for male hosted podcasts to pay a tax in support of weird and funny women, uh, especially women who are also in further marginalized populations. Um, so in test, instead of wasting your time on this testosterone fueled drivel, you could be listening to the Whitney Cummings podcast, for example, which is called Good for You. And she has actual famous guests and shit, and they talk about uh, how deep you can fit something in your mouth uh, for long periods of time. And it's rewarding and gratifying for all. Uh, So I recommend checking it out. She's funny. Um, And I'm also somewhat partial to a podcast called Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. Have you guys heard that one? I have not, but I love Paula Poundstone. Yes. Well, her podcast is called Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, which is appropriate for the reaction you're giving me. <laughs> um, I think Paula Poundstone is one of the world's most underrated comedians, and I'll fight you if you say otherwise. And I think everybody owes it to yourself and to feminism to shut off this podcast right now and go listen to that one uh, right after I finish mansplaining some other ones to you. Uh there's, if you like true crime mixed with humor, there's a pretty good podcast called Shady Shit. The host is named Casey Balsham, and she says entertaining things at regular intervals. And honestly, how can you even live with yourself if you're not listening to that instead of us? Um, 
And then, would you like to listen to someone who is nearly impossible to understand because she is British and has cerebral palsy? Then try the podcast called Daddy Look at Me, which is a great name for a podcast, uh, with Helen Bauer and Rosie Jones. Uh, incidentally, you have to hand it to the inclusiveness of British TV. I don't know how much British TV either you watch, but Rosie Jones appears regularly on their various comedy panel shows, despite the fact that she sounds like she is speaking from the inside of a running dishwater. Dishwasher. <laughs> dishwater. Drowning in dishwater from inside a running dishwasher. I fucked up the joke. It was a All good right. one too. Take two. Let's go. Take two. <laughs> Rosie Jones appears regularly on their various comedy panel shows despite the fact that she sounds like she is speaking from the inside of a running dishwasher. But I dare you to turn her off and not feel like a monumental douchebag or douche canoe. At least Josh Blue has the decency to sound somewhat legible. Anyway, quick question for the group. If someone listens to any of these because we suggested or I suggested it, uh, is that saviorism? No, but I, th- I think you can uh, take no. credit for their success at that point. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> all right good that's what i'm mainly after it's yeah it is like when you're in in a meeting and a female coworker says something and they get talked over and then you just repeat what she said and then you say that she said it or okay. don't say that she said it and just take the credit uh i will add i'm going to that's i'm going to add one. a fantastic podcast podcast to this list uh, and it is called Art Juice by Alice Sheridan. Uh, and she talks about all kinds of art shit. So if you're interested in art, uh, she is a fantastic podcaster that does that. So that speaks to what we were talking about okay, earlier. Yeah. Sorry to cut you off. And just quick side note without like the fruit, uh, talking about tattoos on an audio medium. And now there's a whole podcast having to do with a visual medium. That's pretty cool. Anyway, carry on. Oh, I was going to say, I don't want to feel left out. And I was thinking about when we were talking about comedians that we like, and we all just came up with middle-aged white male Mm. comedians. Uh, You know who is a genius? Is Rachel Bloom, who did Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which I have uh, started watching on Netflix. Nice. Every episode is a... It's a 45 minute show and it's a musical. So every every episode has one or two bespoke parody songs that have to do with the, the situation. That sounds entirely atrocious. It's outstanding. It's fully amazing. I would rather watch a rigged Special Olympics broadcast. Okay, now I feel a duty to try and sell the show to you. <laughs> and it's it's one of those shows where the intro song explains the premise of the show. But basically, this, this woman who is a high-powered lawyer in New York and miserable and depressed. And she has kind of a breakdown and decides to move all the way across the country to West Covina, California to... Because she found out that there's this boy that she dated in summer camp who lives there now. So she is trying to, she decided that she's going to go out there and try and reclaim him. But she is in denial about that fact. I mean, there was a, the, the episode that I watched today, um, 
the music one of the musical numbers was uh her friend giving uh giving the main character advice on how to spend and get some have some alone time with this guy who now has a girlfriend and you know she's like face your fears and she goes into the song about you know you gotta face your fears stare into the sun run with scissors drop out of school like don't be afraid you just gotta do it and it was just all just bad advice it was it's very good there it's one of those one of those shows that when it was on i was like eh and now it's done and uh listener don't be like me if you were scrolling past it just watch it it's real good jeff are you sold uh no absolutely not the guy who did the songs Um, was the guy from fountains of wayne there is no greater plague on our society than racism and sexism but third is musicals in that order racism sexism musicals maybe sexism racism musicals parody musicals though doesn't matter it is still a musical oh you're just dismissing it because it has music in it yes huh what do, what do you have against music i have nothing against music i have everything it against only musicals. about visual art any sort of audio art is objectionable to you how ironic that you're hosting a podcast i don't understand you sometimes <laughs> i <laughs> not true not true that that sir is a mischaracterization of what i'm saying i've been i resent it i've been where you are you would be much I find, I, you would be much happier find, if you watched it i find all like every musical i've ever listened to except moana i find extremely annoying why is, why is moana different I don't know. It'll be because some of those songs are absolutely fantastic. Okay, so yeah, it helps if you like the music. What about uh, Hamilton? No, I can't stand that shit. Hang on, I just said that the songs were done by the guy from Fountains of Wayne. I don't know what that means. He did Stacy's mom, and he did the music for that thing you do. That yeah, that doesn't help. The music me. is lit. Yeah, basically any time that you've heard a catchy song on TV, I guess pre-COVID, because he died during COVID, but any time you've heard a catchy song in a movie or TV, it was written by that that guy. Adam something. Your your whole argument seems to be that, like, you don't like musicals unless the music is good, but you've never encountered good music in a musical except once, which can only lead me to think that you just generally don't like music. Because there's, there's all kinds I of different music. types of music in musicals. I'm... There's all every genre of music you can think yeah, but, of. Is okay, in so musicals. here's here's the problem with songs in musicals is that they are trying to to shoehorn in a narrative and be shoehorned into a narrative oh, every time. Wait. So there's there's a sacrifice of quality in both the music and the lyrics that only happens when you have to like even even the greats like andrew lloyd weber there's a few of his that are like really good musicals but most of them are just like he made this awkward rhyme because he had to tell the story it's okay i fucking hate that no i understand i i used to be there what brought me around was then i was when i realized that the musical numbers are a montage they're they're not actual they're not actual 
literal diegetic things that happen in the story. Well, yes, obviously. Right, right. <laughs> but they they take the place of a montage. They they're kind of a time skip. They're a little bit of a a way yes. to simplify. They... Yeah. No, I I get that. But part of being that means that it has to suck a little bit. You... Yeah, that's that's the good part. You mean I don't want my music to suck. I want music to sound good. I don't understand why it would have to. I want music to not make me roll my eyes. a little bit, you're saying that the lyrics vaguely dissatisfy you. But, like, other components of the music wouldn't be affected by that, I wouldn't think. But it is, though. Because you have to have a Broadway singer singing it. And they all have that same fucking way of singing that's basically just says look at me i'm on stage to watch in your life maybe three musicals you have a narrow view like i'm now discarding your opinion (laughs) i resent that two of them were Andrews. like you don't know what you're talking about (laughs) okay maybe (laughs) but also when I was 16, I was really into Phantom of the Opera. Like, really awkwardly. Okay. I don't remember this. So I'm so no, I'm an expert. Okay. Right. Uh, Hairspray? Uh, I've seen, I've heard songs from it, but never actually Rent? seen the whole thing. Same thing. Heard the songs, never seen the whole thing. How do you feel about the songs thing. you've heard? Eh. Okay. Eh. Catchy. I guess. Okay. Yeah, I don't understand. What music do you like? Literally anything that's not from a musical. Okay, but if you didn't know, if you didn't know like there, those were from a musical, there are some songs. But you always know. You always know. You hear it, and you're like, "This doesn't make any sense because there's no context to it." Oh, that must mean it's from a musical. There's a show that you would absolutely hate. It's done by the dropout people. And it's called Play It By Ear. And it is an improvised musical. That's horrible. I don't ever, I don't want to know that that exists. I'm I'm angry at you for telling me that. I'm glad that I could bring it to you. I will, I have a subscription to drop out, so I will send you clips. That's like saying, like, trying to think, like a joke isn't as good if it appears in the context of some larger production like the joke has is shoehorned into the plot and like can't be as funny and and therefore ruins the whole production because it's not standing on its own there are examples of that i mean yeah sure but they're also that's part of the thing shows that have really funny jokes in them that like even though they don't stand on their own they're still hilarious because they're participating as part of that yes. whole work. True. And yeah, if you took that joke out of the of the show, it wouldn't be as funny. There wouldn't be context to it, and it wouldn't work very well. Uh, but like that doesn't diminish the value of it for where it is. You're not wrong, but I am also the opposite of wrong. <laughs> yes, you are also still wrong. Ah, uh, shit. 
<laughs> if you're expecting the music from a musical to please you as well as if it were not in the musical and just standing alone, I think that's an unrealistic expectation. It's supposed to be in a musical. It's supposed to function in that context. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe the problem is that I like music too much. I am too good at you listening like to music. So when I hear when I hear musicals, I'm like, that is not a good music song. And I only hear the song like not in context for the rest Wait, of the Wait, hold on. Maybe every song from the musical is like Quantum of Solace. No. If you watch Quantum of Solace by itself, it's not very good. You have to watch you have to watch it after watching Casino Royale. You have to do a double feature. So maybe the musical songs need the rest of the musical to be around them. Okay. So here's here's a musical that I actually really enjoy. There's one that comes to mind. That's Jesus Christ Superstar. Is a musical that to this day I still find absolutely fucking brilliant. And that's I, I like it because every song in that musical can stand on its own as its own individual song without the context of the music. So when you add it all together and have them all together in the context of the story, it becomes. Well, why would you say you don't like musicals instead of saying, I don't like music songs from musicals without, you know, out of context. And also, I'm sorry to be this person, but I'm going to have to be one of us. will. Uh, isn't Jesus Christ super, a superstar like uh, a jukebox opera or a rock opera or it's an Andrew Lloyd Webber Andrew Lloyd Webber rock opera yeah it's not a musical it's a musical it's not rock there's operas a, are musical a they, between uh... the two I would say more to the point like it's it's still I'm, I'm stuck on this whole thing of it needs to stand on your own like earlier in our conversation I said a bunch of reprehensible shit about people with handicaps in the Special Olympics that outside of the context of this conversation where we're intentionally saying awful shit we don't believe would not stand on its own and would probably get me arrested. But like within the context of, of this, it, it has a function. Mm, no, it's it, still pretty bad, it's bad in context. If it had been, said, it's, if still, it had been it's still funnier, pretty bad. <laughs> if it had been better crafted humor, then it would have a function and it would have value in this context and outside of this context. No, it would not. Chuck, I am on your side. I think that you can you can pick up an idea and wave it around a little bit without fully endorsing it. You can try it on. That's the whole premise of this podcast, I would argue. Yeah, just yes. as long as as long as we don't leave the store with the idea <laughs> the special if we put it back on the shelf. You know what? We leave, I'm not buying fine. this. I'm not even stealing it. I'm putting it back. <laughs> yeah. All right. You I, can you can I, Happen. I hereby, I hereby renounce. In case anybody's confused, I hereby renounce and uh, my idea of fixing the Special Olympics, uh, and uh, <laughs> am not actually intending to do any such thing. Yeah. <laughs> now that the that idea has been abandoned, it is ripe for the the plucking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all according to plan. What do we learn this week? Other than Jeff doesn't like music. Musicals are stupid. The dick wants what it wants. The dick does, but that doesn't mean the whole person does have to. Yeah. Your heart's dick wants what it wants. And that... 
And that's when you get into trouble is when you listen to your heart's dick instead of is it my dick's heart your or my actual dick? heart or your actual dick. Either I was thinking about your heart's dick's heart's dick. There is a part of me that wants to have a segment called say more about that because when I was listening when I was <laughs> when I was listening to our old episodes, there were uh, I and I'm sure I'm sure that listener either loves this or hates this but there are so many threads that we have started and then just immediately abandoned i would love to kind of revisit some of those but i will say uh i just wanted to say a little bit more about the heart wanting what it wants and i do believe that because i've seen it i've seen it happen do you remember my cat normal yes chucky I'm not sure if you ever met yeah, my cat, normal, but this, yeah, she was, a, she was a, yes, she was a beautiful cat. You, and... you are the goddamn musical of <laughs> podcasters. Oh, that's so sweet. Evita. Uh, but no, I think that she, uh, just strictly speaking, was an objectively sexy cat because Anytime there was a another boy cat, they instantly became enamored with her, and they were just like, "I just gotta touch her butt. I just gotta." And they would follow her around and try and touch her butt. And she was fixed, and she did not want anybody touching her butt. It was inevitable. Anytime a boy cat saw normal, they they were just drawn to her. Right. Oh, but that that's cats. Yeah, cats have hearts. Yeah, but that's the difference between humans and cats is that humans can be like, that's not my heart talking. Yeah, humans can be like, that's really not a good idea. But I can imagine about it. I can develop elaborate fantasies about it, but my real life self is not going there. (laughs) The phrase the heart wants what the heart wants has this connotation of justification Mm. for your action. Right. Right. Like there's this there's this kind of subcurrent of I did this thing that is objectively horrible, but eh, the heart wants what heart wants what the heart wants. Is it right? always objectively horrible though? No, of course not. But a lot of times it is used as a justification for something that is just pretty horrible. It's a weak justification. Like if you've ever find yourself saying that, then just know that you're doing something pretty shady because a stronger justification would be exactly. well, look Here's why the concerns that might somebody might assume are happening are not actually happening here. Hang on. I'm going to kind of reverse this on you guys and challenge you. What is a non-problematic use of the heart wants what it wants? Uh, one that's not used to justify actions. Well, no, I was going to well, I was going to say like, you know, if I wanted I want some cookies and cream ice cream, so I'm going to get some. The heart wants uh, what it is wants. The, I'm going to get some part that makes the heart wants what it's want. Like, if I, I don't want to judge somebody for what they're affectionate about or toward. Um, oh, okay. But I will judge them if those actions are putting somebody at risk or are shady in some way. Or... Yeah. Judge people on their actions, not on that's it. That's the thing right there. Is that it is a way to distract from the actions by saying that your motivations were pure. Okay, so for example, uh, wife has been hoarding some chocolate chip cookies in the. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. 
Are you allowed to talk about this? Yes. Wife has okay. been hoarding some <laughs> some chocolate chip cookies in the refrigerator. And is the refrigerator a euphemism for pussy? It is not. Okay. It's literally the refrigerator and the cookies are literally cookies. And so if I were to partake of those cookies and just say, Yeah, the heart wants what it wants, that is an invalid justification. You're saying Yes, that's you using the phrase to justify doing something intentionally to satisfy your own needs at the expense of somebody else's happiness or well-being. Okay. What if I also think that it's morally wrong to hoard resources? And you're the one that's going to exact justice. Someone has... And it happens to be self-serving. Someone has to do it. (laughs) Then if you say the heart wants what the heart wants, it's you not taking a moral stand. It's you subverting your moral stand and it would be a far less shady thing to say, I did this because you shouldn't be hoarding those fucking cookies. Yeah. Go okay. and play Robin Hood, but so, then that yeah. should be your explanation. So what you're saying is I should take the cookie and say, sick Semper Tyrannis. <laughs> yes. Right, maybe, absolutely. maybe you should just let her do her thing and go get your own cookies. That also is an option. Uh, DoorDash, DoorDash, some goddamn cookies. <laughs> leave wife, leave wife alone. She's she's been hoarding these cookies since Saturday. By hoarding, yeah, but... you mean possessing a large amount of cookies <laughs> that you don't have access to, and you're bitter about it. But she's a grown ass adult and can make her own eating choices. If you describe it like that, it makes me look bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, on the cartoon picture of us that Jeff drew, I am looking at you askance, and so I feel obligated to make you look bad and to criticize you (laughs) at least a couple of times per episode. So we learned that all musicals are horrible. Uh, Chuck likes to gamble. Find us on Facebook if you want to see said cartoon. Dan uh, finds his cat attractive. She died. Let's have some respect. She found, was sorry, found his cat found, attractive. Found his cat. She was extremely sexy. Listener, she was a beautiful cat, and just objectively speaking, for a cat, she was she was very sexy to other cats, not to me. You're speaking ill of your wife, not on purpose here. To to other cats. <laughs> All right, I think that's gonna wrap it up. Uh, I'm done with this conversation <laughs> in all its forms. Yeah, me too. You can fi- find us on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash mansploring. I think, I don't know, probably just find us. Um, we're available on whatever podcast you happen to find us on because you're listening to us right now, theoretically, uh, email and Email us at mansploringpod at gmail.com if you found anything we said objectionable or offensive, or if you want to send Dan some sexy, sexy cat pics. All right. Good night. Thanks, everybody. Yeah. Good night, everybody. Thanks for uh, putting up with us. Bye.